All right, good morning, Crossroads Ministries. I want to thank you for being here this morning. If you're uh, joining us online, I want to thank you for tuning in. If you're in the auditorium with us this morning, would you please stand as we worship? And some of you just sitting down. Stand right back. church. Good morning. You guys can have a seat. 
Amen. I love that song. It's so good to start off just singing praise to the Lord, isn't it? Just giving Him the glory and focusing on Him. We're tuning our hearts to Him. I love that. It was awesome singing with you, and I can't wait to sing with you more here in a little bit. Hey, church, a few things. One, I want to welcome our guests in the house. I want to welcome our guests online. If you're here in the building, stop by the Welcome Center. We have a gift for you by just saying thanks for being here with us. Uh, You're important to us because you're important to God and you're important to us. And so thank you for being our guest this morning. And if you're online, let Elena know you're online and for the first time, and we would love to connect with you online. Church, I want to share with you, if you look in your bulletin, there's a few things that are coming up. One is that we're having our Ecuador mission trip interest meeting. That's your $5 statement for the day. Um, that's going to be next Sunday, the 9th, and it's going to be at 12, it's going to be at 1230 in room 207. It's going to be about a 20 minute meeting. And we're just trying to get everybody on the same page that's interested in going on this trip next summer. Pastor Ken's going to lead this meeting. Room 207 is when you go out, you're going to hang out to the, to your, uh, we're going to hang out the left towards the hallway down by the bathrooms. And it's the last door on your left, 207. And Pastor Ken will start that meeting next Sunday at 1230. And we're going to talk all things Ecuador and about the trip, what we're going to do, when it's going to be, fundraising, all that stuff. So 1230 next Sunday, Ecuador mission trip interest meeting. And then also want to let you know that we have our trunk and tree coming up on the 26th of October. If you in your bulletin, there's a handout. You know what this is for? This is for you to look at and say, okay, I know when it is. I already got my kids signed up because, or I'm already jumping on the team to serve because you guys are awesome and you're all over it. Invite somebody. Take this and invite someone at work. Invite someone that you do life with, that you you know run at the gym with, you hang out with, and just say, hey, listen, I'd love to invite you to come up to the church on the 26th of October. It's an awesome event. It truly is an awesome event because it's like a gigantic party that we have here, and we say, hey, come on up. Come hang out with us. I mean, I love the conversations I have with people, and people are like, I've never seen something like this before. It's just so full of life. Why is it full of life? Because Christ is what fuels us. That's why we do these things. That's why we do trunk and tree. That's why we do all these events. Not just to have more things to do, but because we want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. That's why we do what we do. And so, church, I want to encourage you, uh, if you would like to serve and be a part of this event, there's two things that we're looking for right now to be a part of. Uh, for you to be a part of is one is to help with the parking team. Uh, This whole parking lot is full of cars and we just need friendly faces that are going to help direct people. So friendly faces that love safety uh, and can help people find a place to to park and help the kids navigate to the backfield where the whole event's going to be. And then we're also looking for people to bring their trunks and decorate them and serve candy out of their cars. So if you would like to do that, you can uh, stop by the the lobby uh, in the lobby at the table and you can sign up to do that or you can sign up to help uh, and serve online on the front page of our website, crossroadsministries.com, or on the screen you can see crsmin.com. Either one will take you there. So, church, it's going to be awesome. Be in prayer for this. We're praying for families to just come to know Jesus and to get connected. And, man, we'd love for them to come here, but just to get connected to the body of Christ. God is awesome, and we're thankful for this kind of opportunity. Church, I also want to say thank you for your giving. Thank you for being faithful and giving unto the Lord and just being faithful to his mission to see lives changed by Jesus Christ. And so thank you for giving online through the boxes on the wall and through uh, online. And God's just doing a work, and we're thankful for his hand on this church. Would you pray with me? Lord, thank you for the reminder, Lord, that our praise is just where we got to start. we got to start with praising you, God, because we have all the things in our mind, all the things, all the stuff, all the to-dos, all the checklists, all the boxes that are still unchecked, all the things that are in our head, God, the things that we're about to do, the, maybe the special 
sporting event that's on today. I don't know. There's all kinds of different things in our head, God. And to start off by praising you and worshiping you and just saying, God, you're just so amazing. Thank you for that time, Lord. Thank you for an awesome band to lead us in worship, to lead us in music. God, I thank you for Jesus Christ, um, from whom all things are for, from, and through. God, we love you. We just praise you. We thank you for being here with us. Lord, thank you for your people. Thank you for your holy word, and thank you for this awesome place that we can call home. We love you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Church, would you stand as you continue on?
church. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these songs of praise this morning. We're thankful we come to a building and just worship and just celebrate you and who you are each and every single week. Uh, we, Lord, we know it's cold outside, but in here it's warm and we are at peace. Your presence is here. You are dwelling among us. And Lord, we ask you to just enter our hearts this morning as we listen to the sermon. And we just are filled with the Holy Spirit. Be, watch, be with us and watch over us. In your name we pray. Amen. Before we jump into our message, I want to just pause and have some prayer for a few people in our church. Uh, we can't mention everybody's needs, but these are a few ones that we've been keeping you updated on. Uh, first of all is uh, <clears throat> Chester Knoll. As you know, last Sunday we asked you to pray for him as he had a, a uh, kidney transplant. And I'm hearing good reports that everything is going along as the doctors expected to. So they ask you to continue to pray for him that that kidney will actually come to full speed. I guess it takes some time for that to, to really take uh, kick in. <clears throat> so if you'd pray for him and his family. I had a great talk with Chet on the phone. He is uh, doing well. He's pretty happy and uh, thrilled that God was able to provide that for him. And he told me to thank you for praying for him. And he said to ask the church to continue to pray. He said, because you could really sense the presence of the Lord upon him. And uh, he has some interesting things. And maybe one of these days I'll let him share some of that <clears throat> if, he, if he would. He's not one to, like, get up in public speak. But he, uh, he shared some interesting things about that journey so far. And I think that uh, it's just powerful. He's seen the hand of God. And then I also want you to pray for Mark Adams. Mark Adams, as you know, we've been praying for him. He was down in Florida. He was uh, on a vacation, and he took very seriously ill. And uh, he was actually able to be transported back up to here last Saturday. He, ran, he came from, and by ambulance from Florida all the way to Pittsburgh. Now, could you imagine being that long in an ambulance, all right? So, uh, it was, but it was a big ambulance. It was, uh, it kind of looked like an Amazon delivery truck, I told him. And I said, so he got overnighted on Amazon. So he was on our prime. Good thing we had prime. We got him back. But, uh, he is, uh, he is here in Pittsburgh. We visited him this week. He's doing, doing well. He has a long journey ahead of him. Please pray for him. And then also Helen Oaks passed away this week. Helen was a part of our church for many years. And many of you know Donnie Oaks, who's uh, a big help around the church here. This was his mother. So if you'd pre, uh, please pray for these families this morning and uh, as, as they're grieving the Oaks family this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we come before you, Lord, and uh, we just thank you, Father, for the church as a family. As we talked last week, God, the church is a family. And so, God, these are some of our family members. And, Lord, there are many more needs that we just don't have time to go through everybody's need. But these are a few ones that many people have been asking about. So, God, I pray that you put your hand upon each one of these situations, Lord. For Chester, Lord, we thank you for that kidney that you provided. 
I pray, Lord, that you uh, allow that kidney to begin to work and that uh, to, to work fully, and it's already seeing good progress. But, Lord, we just ask that you'll continue to do your work and restore him to health, Lord, that he may lead his family and make an impact in our world. Lord, we lift up Mark Adams to you. We thank you how that you've protected him and you've kept him safe, Lord, and through the ups and downs and many trials. Uh, God, you were with him and even brought him back home to Pittsburgh. So, God, your, your will be done. Your hand be upon Mark. And, Lord, we lift up to you now Helen Oaks, Lord, the family of Helen Oaks. We thank you that Helen is in your presence, that she uh, followed you. She's a, a, a believer, a follower of Christ. She's in your presence right now, Lord. She's had the best worship service ever this morning, singing praise face-to-face to the King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, I pray that you'll be upon all of our people, Lord, many that are hurting physically, emotionally, spiritually. Uh, God, we just lift up all these areas to you, and we ask you to uh, do your work in our, in our midst in a powerful way. In your name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> Today we are continuing our series. We've been looking at a few snapshots of what the church is and the, the, the verse that we're going to look at here today is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27. It says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. You are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. I, I want you to look at this because this is a big contrast. The first picture I'm going to show you here is that picture of a church building, right? You look at the church building, and that's what you say, I go to church. I, you know, this morning you woke up and you said, hey, I'm going to go to church. But if church is just that, a place that you go to, we're not catching the whole picture. Yes, this is the place that we gather. Last week we talked about the church as a family. Today we're going to talk about more than going to church. We're going to talk about what the scripture says here, that the church should look not like this, but more like this, like a body. Now that's not my body, but a body, right? And, and I want you to think about this, because when you think of the church as a body, and it's, it's so transforming. It's something different. It's not a place you go to. It's a body that you belong to. And now that has a whole different impact on how we understand the church. So the first thought in your notes this morning is this, is that the church is a body. Would you say that with me? The church is a body. God has made the church. Jesus himself said, I will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Jesus is the one who is growing his church body, and, he, and the Apostle Paul here is using this image of a body. And I want you to catch this, because the body was made to move. When a body no longer moves, it is dead, right? So the body was not made to sit and watch TV all day. The body was not made to lay down all day and do nothing. The body was meant to get up, to do things, to, to, to go and, and you move your hands, you move every part of your body. It was meant to move, and as the whole body works together, that body can go places. And so the same is with the church. You know, the body has a purpose, and the church has a purpose. The body of Christ, as I look through the scripture, I see that the body of Christ has a purpose. Number one, it is to glorify God in everything it does. Glorify God. We're to bring glory. When we get together, we sing praise Him, we glorify Him. But on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, when you're not singing praises, when you're not in the building of the church, we're to glorify God. We're to storm the gates of hell. Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. We're supposed to go out and bring people from darkness into the light. 
God has given us, and that's part of the body. So as the body works together, we are able to go out and we function that way, and we bring people from darkness into light. We encourage believers. I mean, that's a big thing about the body of Christ. We are to encourage the other believers, encourage the other body parts. This is a massive difference between going to church and belonging to a body. So if you're just going to church and you've been coming to Crossroads for some time, I want to invite you to belong to the body. See, church, you know, church was never meant to be a show. It was not meant to be something that you came to, something that you viewed, something that you looked at and went home and said, okay, A, B, or C. It was something that you go home and you say, I am part of this bigger body. This is the gathering of the body is all this is. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to go back to verse 12. So we were in verse 27 there. Now we're going to go back to verse 12. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is with Christ. So the body is one. It's many, many parts, but it forms one body. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Now, don't let that word baptize throw you there. Baptize, this is not talking about water baptism. The word baptize in the Greek means to immerse. So he says, for we were all baptized. When you trusted Christ as your Savior, you began this relationship with God. The Holy Spirit stepped into you. And the scripture says here that we were baptized into by one spirit to form one body. We were baptized by him. So every believer has been immersed. I want you to think about it being overwhelmed, okay? Like if you, if you were to put your hand in a, in a bowl of water, right? Your hand would be overwhelmed. So Jesus says that you have been placed into the body by the Spirit of God. Whether it was Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Now what he's talking about here, he says, listen, people from all different backgrounds. They were the, the, the original movement of Christianity started out in Israel, started in the Jewish communities. That Jesus was a Jew. He came and he, he, he died, he was buried, he rose again. And as he rose again, that word spread, and Paul goes out to all over Greece there, all over the Roman Empire, and he's sharing, and here he's going to the church at Corinth. Paul went to the town of Corinth. There were no believers. He goes in and he shares about Jesus. These people become believers. For we were all baptized by one spirit to form one body, whether your nationality, whether your economic situation. Look at that. Slaves and free. So whether you were a slave or you, you were free, whether you worked for somebody or whether you owned, owned uh, uh, establishments. He says, listen, the church was a place that everybody come together, and that's what the body is. The body comes together and functions together. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but many. So this body has to function as one, but there are many parts all to that body. One body, many parts. Would you say that with me? One body, many parts. One body. You know your body. You know you've got a lot of parts, don't you? You know you've got fingers and toes and eyes and ears and hip bones connected to the something bone. Remember those songs, right? Remember that little game, Operation? Remember that? 
try to pull that bone out of there. You know, you're doing that surgery on that thing. Um, the body is made of many parts. What he is talk, What is he talking about here? Is he talking about all the different nationalities? Is he talking about all the, the different owners and, you know, all the different things that people do within socioeconomics? Yeah, that's all there. He just addressed that. But what he's talking about is a thing called spiritual gifts. And a spiritual gift, I want you to think about this. God has given everybody a spiritual gift. Let me tell you what a spiritual gift is not. A spiritual gift is not, okay, it's Christmas time. I'm going to buy my mom a plaque. And it has Philippians 4.13 on it. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Here, Mom, I gave you a spiritual gift for Christmas. That's not what a spiritual gift is. That's a great gift, but that's not a spiritual gift, right? A spiritual gift is this. It is a supernatural endowment from God to the, to the body, to the body of believers that, that we come together and we each get one. Every believer, everybody has at least one of these gifts that God gives us. And they are given for the purpose of encouraging, comforting, challenging, guiding, growing other parts of the body. So the gifts that God has given you are not just for you and for your enjoyment and for your good pleasure. They are for you to function as part of this body. And as you function as part of this body, you encourage other parts of the body to be healthy and you encourage other parts of the body to grow. There are a list of gifts. They were given here in this passage in 1 Corinthians 12. Also in Romans 12, you'll see that there were a number of spiritual gifts that were given that were present in that day. I'm just going to read a sampling of those, of those gifts that were present in that day. The gift of prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, giving, leadership, mercy, wisdom, faith, healing, miracles, discernments, tongues, interpretation of tongues, administration, evangelism, hospitality. Now that, Paul wrote that in this passage here in 1 Corinthians 12, and also in Romans 12, he sent a letter to the Romans giving them similar teaching. And these gifts were present in that day. Uh, today, not all those gifts are present today, but in, in, in that time, God was doing a special thing. The Word of God was not yet complete. God is showing uh, he, His church, he's, he's giving them validation, and they're going out, and they're doing some incredible things. But what I want you to think about today is how has God given you a spiritual gift? Every believer, if you're a believer, you have a spiritual gift. You may have two or three, but you have at least one spiritual gift. And there's somehow that God wants you to be functioning in the church. Because over in Ephesians, Paul said, It is by grace that you have been saved through faith, that not of yourself, so that no one can boast. And then he continues on. He says, for we are God's workmanship created to do the good works that God has planned in advance for us to do. So God has drawn you unto himself. He's taken you out of the darkness into the light. And when he did that, he says, I have something I want you to do. And he's going to give you the empowerment to do it. So, as you go through and you look at life and you see, okay, God has given me these, these gifts. These are my spiritual gifts. This is what God's called me to do. I want you to understand that the church is filled with a variety of gifts. We are one body, 
but we have so many different gifts. So many different gifts. I was reading a story from the Daily Bread, and uh, I'll never forget this. And, and as, I, uh, as I read it, I said, man, this really helps me to understand how God helped with spiritual gifts. I'm just going to read this story to you here. The lady says that my husband left for a month-long trip. Almost immediately, I was overwhelmed by the needs of my job, our house, and our children. A writing deadline loomed. The lawnmower broke. My children were on school break and bored. How could I take care of all of these things on my own? I soon realized that, uh, that I wasn't on my own. Friends from church showed up to help. One man came over to fix my lawnmower. Another person came and brought me lunch. Cassidy helped me with the laundry. Another one invited my, invited my kids over to play with her so that, I, so that I could get my work done. God worked through each of these friends to provide for me. They were a living picture of the kind of community that Paul describes over in Romans 12. They loved sincerely. They considered the needs of others rather than just their own. They shared with me when I was in need and showed hospitality. Because of the love my friends showed to me, I remained joyful in hope and patient in affliction, even the mild affliction of solo solo parenting for a month. My brothers and sisters in Christ came with what one friend calls God with skin on for me. And I'll never forget that statement because I have thought of that often. The body of Christ is like God with skin on. You you know, we pray to the Lord. We love the Lord. You can't see Him. But God has given His body to display Him. And when somebody comes to your aid, somebody comes and they use their spiritual giftings to to encourage you, to bless you, to, to build you up in the faith, you sense this connectedness to God more than ever. Let me give you a little idea how this might work. Let's say it's Tuesday morning, 7 a.m. John is over at the filling up his car on his way to work, and John is pumping the gas. And on the other side of the island comes a, comes another man who happened that he happened to meet in church a few times. His name was George. And so John and George begin to have this discussion. And so so John is pumping the gas. Hey, how you doing? And and George just responds. I'm really going through a lot right now. I know I've seen you at church, and, but man, could you pray for me? I, I've got a couple things going on. And he unloads a, a couple things. His job's pretty bad. He's got a health problem, and things are tough at home. And so as he unloads those things, John says, yeah, I'll pray for you. He says, how about I pray for you now? So John puts the, puts the gas pump down. George puts his gas pump. They finish up. John comes over, and he says, let me just pray for you now. And he prays just for about 30 seconds, right down there at Gecko. And he prays. He says, Lord, please be upon George. Please put your hand upon him. He needs your strength. He needs your mercy. God, may he sense an encouragement from you today, Lord. Be with him with his family crisis, with his financial crisis, and his health crisis. In Jesus' name, amen. And then they get done praying. It's just the 30 seconds in the parking lot at a gas station. And all of a sudden, you look at George. And George does one of these man cries, like that. That's how men cry. We go like that. And George is like, wow. His eyes are watered, and he's wiping a tear from his eye because he just sensed that God was with him right there. 
the body of Christ. This man used his gift of just being able to pray with him. And he was bold and was able to do that. And so God gifted John to do that. We get letters all the time here to the church. People are grieving and going through a lot of pain as they lose their loved ones. And the church will rally around. The church will, will often, people will make food and send food to their homes. The church will just come out in full force to love on them. And quite often we get notes here at the church, thank you, and they'll name a few of the people that came up and stepped up to the plate and really loved on them and cared for them. And they'll give statements like, we've sensed the presence of the Lord upon us during our time of grief. Thank you. You see, that's the body of Christ. The body of Christ comes there. And, and, and as we function as a body, this is a powerful picture of what can happen. I, I want you to think about Wednesday night. Youth group. It's youth group time. Hey, that's a cool slogan. Hi, Luke. It's youth group time, right? It's youth group time. Pastor Luke Sereca is over there. He's teaching, teaching in the gymnasium. He's trying to teach because he didn't think he kept their attention at all. But he's teaching, and he's talking about the Good Samaritan or something like that. And, and, and he's talking about, hey, this is what God wants you to do. God, God wants you to care for other people. And, and pretty soon there's a, a young teenager sitting there saying, care for other people. And a mind, somebody, somebody comes into the mind of that person, of that child. Well, then they break down into small groups. So, so you had the guy who was not afraid to get up and talk in front of 30 teenagers that won't listen. He wasn't afraid to get up and do that, right? And then you have the other guy who says, I could never stand up front, but I'll tell you what, if you just give me a small group and I could sit with five or six kids and I could love them and I could try to answer a few questions with them and try to just see if we could get into their hearts. And so the small group leader sits down and says, hey, you know, he talked about the Good Samaritan. Who do you think that you could love? And here's some ways that you could love people. And pretty soon this person, this teenager says, yeah, I'm thinking about this person I sit with in class. And then they go out and they're able to do the work that God called them to do. Why? Because of the giftings of the body of Christ. Do you see how that works? God needs every one of us. God doesn't, you know, it's not like, hey, the teacher is a higher gift. No. Man, as a matter of fact, there was, this was a huge threat here in, in the Corinthian church. This was a town that was booming. They needed the body of Christ. And in the Corinthian church, he says this. He says, uh, he's basically going to talk here in just a few moments. We're going to read here in the scripture. He's talking about this deal of, uh, of inferiorness, inferiority. Man, I don't have that gift. I'm no good. You matter and I don't. And that's what we tend to do in the body of Christ. He says here, verse 15, he says, Now look, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand. This is the talking foot, by the way. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. Man, the foot says, I'm no good. I can't do what the hand does. I can't grab a bat and swing a baseball. I'm no good. And this is what happens in the body of Christ. We look at other people with giftings and we say, they matter and I don't. Verse 16, continuing on, If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. You see, 
you're going to be in the church any length of time, you're going to discover that people have some gifts that are incredible. You're going to say, man, that person has a gift of mercy. Man, when I get around people with the gift of mercy, I am in awe because I don't have that gift of mercy. You get around some people that have incredible gift of mercy, they can feel your pain. Like you sit there and you tell them your heart's burden. They feel it. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, your leg hurts, their leg hurts. They are really feeling this. And so, like, go to a funeral home and you offer your condolences. The people with gifts of mercy, they, they get people to really talk and they have this engaging conversation. And the people without the gift of mercy, we still go and we offer mercy. But we don't have that gift like the person with the gift of mercy so therefore, I don't say, well, I'm not going to offer mercy just because somebody else is better at it than me. I say, thank God he made people like that. Because there's people, God has created the body. And man, when the people, when you're having a struggle and you're having pain and the gift of mercy shows up, somebody comes there and man, they're like, it's going to be okay. I've been there. I know what you're saying. And they can identify how about people who, maybe you heard of people who, you get around some people in the church, you hear people who really pray well. I remember when I was younger, I'd hear certain people praying in the church. It was like, I think God just came down while they were praying. They're like amazing. Uh, there's, there's a number of people, and I'm not going to mention their names, but I'll tell you what, through the years, there's a number of people I love to hear pray. And I would walk away and say, man, I'm never praying in public again. Those guys have the gift, man. They can pray. I mean, it's like, wow, they're stepped in the presence of God Almighty. Oh, I pray. I still pray in public. But I don't say, because I'm not like that guy. I mean, some of those old timers, they could pray in King James, and still you got something out of it, you know? It was amazing. It was amazing. I'm... You know, sometimes we look at other people and say, I'm never going to be as good as they are. You matter and I don't. Some people have different gifts. My friend Dave Havoc, he, has a, he was here and spoke a few weeks ago. He has a gift that I don't have. It's uh, when we go to a restaurant, he always asks the attendant, the, the person who's waiting at your table, how can I pray for you? And, you know, he didn't do that when I was training him. That gift developed on his own. And so he came into town, and I knew it was going to happen. We went out to the restaurant, and every time he asked, Hey, what's your name? My name's Susie. Hey, and he, kind. And then a few minutes later, she comes back, refilling a drink or something. Hey, we're going to pray for our meal in just a few moments. How could I pray for you? And I'm going, Hey, Dave, uh, I don't want her spitting in my food if she's not into Jesus. You know what I'm saying? When you waited till we were done till the food came, right? He's got this gift. And as he does it, people start crying. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I've seen people with him, they start, tears come running down their face. And, and then he'll even say, can I pray with you right now? I'm like, Dave, we're in public. Listen, he's got a gift. I don't do that every time I go to the restaurant. 
Dave does. And that, that's how God's... And so the body of Christ is out there and he's helping to bring people out of darkness into the light. And here's the deal. No one is inferior in the body of Christ. Would you say that with me? No one is inferior in the body of Christ. There is nobody inferior. Nobody is less. Because somebody has a greater gift than you doesn't mean that you're less. We've got an incredible worship team up here. Just because they don't put my singing voice on the microphone doesn't mean that I am less. I still worship the Lord. God's gifted the church so many different ways. Don't think that your gifting is not needed. Don't think that the way God has equipped you is not needed. Listen, as long as you're alive, God gave you that gift. Use it for his glory to encourage other believers in the body of Christ. Use it. Man, God didn't say, hey, I just want you to sit on the couch the rest of your life. No, I want you, I gifted you, I give you this brain, I give you this way. You do it like this. This person does it like this. God says, I need all of you. Nobody is inferior. The body is deficient without all the members of the body. Did you catch that? The body is deficient without all the members of the body. I want you to think about Eric McElvenny, who is a faithful part of our church, spoken many times here. He's got a, 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 a prosthetic leg. He lost his, his leg in Afghanistan. He can do incredible things with that prosthetic leg. He can do things with a prosthetic leg that I can't do with my real leg. He's, he's incredible, right? But let me tell you, he would much rather have his leg than that prosthetic. The body functions the best when we are all doing our gift for God. We are living and we're unified like that. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? This picture, I tried to find a picture of an eye as a body. You don't find them. They're hard to find. You have to Google search for days. I mean, listen, if the whole body were an eye, could you imagine that? You can't smell, you can't hear. Sounds like me getting older. I don't know. You can't, you know, it's like, it's like you can't smell, you can't hear, nothing's working, and you're, you're just an eye, but you can see everything. That would be a horrible way to live. We need to have the, the body needs feet, the body needs ears, the body needs nose, the body needs kidneys. Man, your kidney, nobody ever sees your kidney. Oh, my kidney today. You never heard anybody say, I'm thanking God that my kidney's working today. But when it's not, you're scared to death. The body needs you. If you're a kidney, be the best kidney that God created. And go out there and live for God. Because the body can't function without you. Everybody matters. Everybody counts. Would you say that with me? Everybody matters. Everybody counts. There's nobody that Christ died for that doesn't count. And he died for every one of us. And as he draws you unto himself, he equips you to do the work that he has called in advance. He has planned in advance for you to talk to that guy at the gas station tomorrow. To pray for the waitress. To come alongside and hug somebody at a funeral home. Wherever it is that God's place, you're in the body. And as a matter of fact, look at this. God, in fact, verse 18, God, in fact, has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. 
In fact, God has placed the parts in the body. God has placed you in the body. You're not here just to hear a sermon. God placed you in the body so that you can honor and glorify him as a hand, as a foot, as a kidney. God placed you here with us for a reason, for the movement of God in this part of the country. God put me here for a reason. He put me here for a reason. He put me here for a reason. Would you say that to yourself? God put me here for a reason. It's amazing, you know, many times we feel so ordinary. We come to church, well, you know, I can make this, I can do that. I just feel so ordinary. I want to encourage you to take the ordinary, be faithful in the ordinary, and ask God to do the extraordinary in the midst of the ordinary. Man, you say, well, all I know is how to go to work tomorrow. Get up and go to work tomorrow. And say, Lord, help me to be the functioning body of Christ. You've given me these gifts. You've made me this way. You know that I have the gift of help so I can help people. Some of you have the gift of evangelism. You can have a, a Jesus conversation like that. I, I, I lean that way. I mean, if you tell me, I can find a little inch to get in there and we'll talk about Jesus, right? But I'm not the guy who says, I'll pray for the waitress. What's your name? What, what can I pray for you for? And so God uses all of us together. He puts us all together into his family. And he says that he's placed us as parts in the body. Everyone just where he wanted them to be. You're right where God wants you to be. Stop thinking that you're no good. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. And then he's going to move in. He's going to talk about a thing of being superior. The superiority is something that will absolutely destroy a church you know there's this thing that you matter and i don't superiority says well i matter and you don't i've got the gift of whatever and your gift well because it's not my gift it doesn't mean nothing to me look what he says here he says but in fact god has placed this all together as it is there are many parts one body verse 21 the eye cannot say to the hand i don't need you wouldn't that be cool I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Well, you know, I've been thinking about this for years. You're ugly. I don't like the third toe in. I don't need you. You stay home today. Well, the brain, I'm the command center. and Oh, everything comes through the brain. I've got this figured out. You don't understand. There's so much that's been put into here. You're just a big toe. Try to walk without a big toe. It's the center of your balance. A few years ago, a fellow came to church. He had his toes cut off from an infection. And he showed me how hard it was and, and the painstake for him to, to get back on his what's left of his feet. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. The head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Here's what was happening. The church at Corinth, Paul was writing this back to the church at Corinth. Last week we said he was, in, he, he was in Corinth writing back to Thessalonica. Now he's in Ephesus and he's writing back to Corinth. Corinth was a, a, an incredible city. 
And as a matter of fact, when the Roman Empire came along in 146 B.C., the Roman Empire came along and, and the forces of Corinth fought against the takeover, but they lost, and they lost miserably. So the Roman Empire, you know, they were used to going in and pretty much taking over. People were scared of them. But this town of Corinth, they stood up to them. And so now here he is. Uh, now the town of Corinth, at 146 B.C., the Romans came in and they placed an edict after they took over and said, no one can build here. There'll be no building. So for a hundred years, the town of Corinth laid in ruins. It was decimated. It was destroyed by the Romans. Well, in 46 B.C., a man by the name of Julius Caesar signs an edict that Corinth can rebuild. And there's an influx of money. There's building programs going on. It's like when you see growth happening in a city. And all of a sudden, in 46 B.C., it would be like in modern days, if you went around and you saw all the cranes for all the buildings, you just couldn't believe all the, all the money that was flowing in. And it became a place of who's who. It became a place to be. It's kind of like New York City to a degree. It became a place that if you were nobody, you wanted to become somebody, you could go there. And so people would go there, and, and, and status was pretty big in Corinth. Where you came from? What city did you grow up in? I grew up in Rome. Oh, we really respect you. I grew up, uh, how about what family? Are you from an important family? Oh, I recognize that name. Hmm, I want to be friends with that guy. Wealth, what kind of money do you have? Oh, look at all the money you have. And so what happened is people would create this, this status. And Corinth became a place of status seeking. And what was happening in the church was a little bit of that status seeking was bleeding into the church. And my friends, status seeking in the church will destroy the church. So Paul comes up here and he says superior, uh, superiority is going to destroy the unity. And, and as a matter of fact, over in, over in uh, Romans chapter 12, he had dealt with the difference of gifts. He deals with the difference of gifts here. In Romans 12, he says this is the remedy for dealing with different gifts. He says, he says I want you to rejoice with those who rejoice. And I want you to mourn with those who mourn. Go across that boundary of who you think is superior or inferior and rejoice. Oh, somebody come up. They got a new job. You're not really interested in it. But they got a new job. He says, you come and you rejoice in their rejoicement. You grieve. You share their grief. You share their joy. That's how we deal with the differences. Verse 22 in 1 Corinthians 12. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. My friends, the greatest tool that Satan has always used is division. If you are seeing division, it's not from God. He says here there should be no division in the body. You don't look at somebody and say, that gift is, their gift is no good because I do it this way. And you don't look at somebody else and say, well, I'm no good because they're better. 
We're to be together and we work together. He says, no one is superior. Would you say that with me? No one is superior. Nobody in the church. The pastor is not superior. God called some to be pastors. But we're not superior. The pastor is in no way more superior than the foot. It all works together. And God says no one is superior. No one should divide. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Do you ever have a toothache? What hurts when you have a toothache? Everything. I mean, your whole jaw, your whole face. You let that get infected. It goes over your whole body. When one part hurts, we all hurt. But you know what that takes? It takes unity to do that. It takes communication. It takes a little bit of time. It takes you understanding that God placed you in this body. God placed you in this body. So if your hand, you be the best hand that you can be. If your kidney, you be the best kidney that you can be because God gave you that gift to be the kidney. And don't try to be somebody else. The whole world is filled with everybody trying to be somebody else. God says, you be you. I created you and I've gifted you to do something that I've planned for you to do. Let's be unified. So the church is a body. Let's close in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, as we've looked at the Scripture, this powerful image that the church is a body. God has gifted everyone in our church somehow spiritually. There's something that God's given you that I can't do probably. You may say, well, I could never be the pastor and stand up and talk too long. But God says, I didn't equip you to do that. I equipped you to go and give that person a hug. I equipped you to go under and use your gift of helps and fix things. I've equipped you to honor me, to pray, to use your gift of leadership, your gift of, your gift of hospitality, your gift of kindness. God's given us all so many gifts. And today I want to ask you to, as a believer, as a Christ follower, Would you look at your life and just ask God, Lord, in what ways have I been feeling inferior? I may have not been using my gift because I thought somebody else was far better. Just meet with the Lord now and say, God, help me. I I want you to let your spirit flow through me so that I can be God with skin on to other people. And, And maybe you've been dealing with superiority. It's easy for you to pass judgment on everybody. It's easy for you to dismiss others because they're not gifted like you. And it's easy for you to say, well, that's not important because you're on a on different focus. Maybe today God wants you to meet with him and say, Lord, prompt me. Prompt me how to encourage others. Lord, I'm sorry for my pride. I'm sorry for how I've created division in the body of Christ. And if you're here and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, Christ is the head of the church. 
Christ is the head, and you've got to trust him as your personal Savior. And that's how you become a part of the body. So this morning, if you'd like to trust Christ, I'm going to pray a prayer with you because he says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved from the punishment of their sin. So maybe that's you. Would you just join me in praying today and just pray something like this? Dear Jesus, I come before you and I trust you. Jesus, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, you died on the cross. You paid for my sin. You rose again. And I invite you into my life. God, thank you for bringing me into your body. Help me to grow. Help me to live for you. Lord, be with each person this morning. As we look at your word, we're always challenged. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we close? Fire, fire warms my heart under the night sky.